It can be hard finding stylish glasses for your kids. Jonas Paul Eyewear makes it easy with risk-free trial kits delivered right to your door. And they're super affordable. Visit JonasPaulEyewear.com today and use promo code THELUCKYFEW to get 15% off your first order. Hey friends, welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down Syndrome. This is Micah, Mercedes, and Heather, and you're listening to episode two of season three. This season, we are going deep on what it means to own your influence, to shout the worth of people with Down Syndrome in the spaces you inhabit, and we're celebrating people in our community who are using their voices in their own spaces. And today, we are so excited. We're going to be introducing you to model and actress Amanda Booth, who has spent more than a decade in the modeling industry. Four and a half years ago, she became a mom to Micah, who was diagnosed with Down syndrome a few months after his birth. Since then, she has been a relentless advocate for Micah and the Down syndrome community, sharing her story of Micah's birth and diagnosis in People, Harper's Bazaar, and Mother Magazine, not to mention gracing the cover of Vogue with him. What? Oh my gosh. Woo woo. I know. Or my favorite when they shared the cover of Anthropology's catalog oh last spring. That I, gorgeous. I just have a special heart for anthropology. So yes. And at that point in life I had Ugh. met Amanda and considered her a friend and people would be like, Have you seen this? I'm like, uh yeah, that's just my friend. Oh. <laughs> I love it. So we're so happy to have Amanda on with us today. And I know we all can't be supermodels, but we can all use our influence for the sake of the people we love with Down syndrome. That's right. So everybody, welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. All right, friends, it's the Monday after World Down Syndrome Day. Yeah. This is a year anniversary of when I got my matchy, matchy, lucky few tattoo with my mom. I love also, that. the year anniversary of when our podcast came out. Yeah, that too. Oh my gosh. Most importantly, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that deserves saying. Yeah. That does deserve saying. So uh, what did you guys do to celebrate World Down Syndrome Day? Well, we released um, episode one, season three, what? three seasons into our podcast, obviously. And then we just wear all our Ruby Rainbow garb, mm-hmm. raise money for Ruby's Rainbow. That's a, an important thing to do. Um, the lucky few, we launched a YouTube channel oh my on God. World Down Syndrome Day. So that's fun. My new fun. favorite YouTube channel. That's right, guys. In search <laughs> of the lucky few. Tune in. That's so exciting. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I feel I didn't launch a YouTube channel. I went to Ace's class, though. That's important. I, so important. I read, I, I love that book, The Prince Who Is Just Himself. I read that book. Do you guys Aww. ever read, do you know that book? No. I haven't I read that about one. it before. I'm reading it's, that to my It's so sweet. Kids. It's so sweet. He's, it's a, a prince who has Down syndrome. I mean, they don't say it, but he's different. And everybody says that prince is different. Aww. And then he saves the day when like bad Scarface comes to town 
Wow. Um, like the other brothers, the other two princes, they all ride off to fight Scarface and they're about to fight him. But then the prince who is just himself goes up to Scarface and touches his scar. Oh, I'm going to cry right now. He touches his scar <laughs> and Scarface starts crying. And oh my gosh, okay. the prince who is just himself says, did it hurt? And oh Scarface's <laughs> heart changes and he doesn't attack the village. It's like Moana. <laughs> I know. Why is why is everyone not reading this book? I'm gonna cry right now. We're gonna need this is in our the link of our show notes. You're gonna go buy this book if you wrote it's this book. Beautiful. We want it's we beautiful. Need you. I know. It was um it was written I think um I think the woman who wrote it is Norwegian or Swedish. Okay. It's I think it's translated. I don't oh, know that oh, for sure. Gorgeous. But okay. um yeah, so you I read, read that, that to That's Ace's good. class and That's good. It's funny, I think as in the space I'm in, in the Down Syndrome community, people will be like, what are you doing on World Down Syndrome Day or like in October? What are you going to do to bring awareness? I'm like, you guys, this is what I do every single day. Like, this is my job. This is my, this is what I do. Every day is World Down Syndrome Day. Yes. You go ahead and do something. Oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> going to sit this one out. <laughs> or, I'm already doing this. This is not an extra special day, but I, oh I'm being cheeky. It is extra special cheeky. and wonderful. Cheeky. <laughs> but it is what we're doing every day. Yeah, I, it's, in our space. it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, well, what I love about World Down Syndrome Day is that it's so simple to use it as a data advocate um, yeah. and that nobody is asking anything huge of you. There's especially I think um, Down Syndrome Awareness Month is so it feels so big. There's mm-hmm. so much you have to do or there's like all these events that are happening and mm-hmm. stuff. So I like that it's just a day mm-hmm. and you wear your socks and you <laughs> find some way to do something small. And um, all you have to do is be like, my kid's awesome. And it's like, bam, you did your, you did your World Down Syndrome Day part. <laughs> yeah. I think we always just have a special dinner and just a special shout out. <laughs> you know, yeah. Sunny, you are so awesome and our family loves you. I'm a person, I think it's a seven on the Enneagram and pressure and all that kind of I don't like all that jazz. Details. So details. Yeah. And I just like to see what the day holds. If I'm on, I will celebrate like I'm on. And if it's too much, we just might have a regular day. And then just say, <laughs> Sunflower, we love you. Extra special. Um, and, okay, I think sometimes we can struggle with how – to speak up for our kids for the DS community when we re- really all you need to do is send an email to your friends and family or read a story in their classroom. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be big. And sometimes it could just be gathering people at a park in celebration for the ones we love with Down syndrome. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. For our family, I think we already don't blend in. Like we step out into space and people are like, oh. Um, are you guys like, are they siblings? Do you want a daycare? Are they all yours? We get these <laughs> questions a, daycare. a lot. Or, or my favorite <laughs> is when people assume that Mason and August are twins and no. Mason's 10 and August is five. Like, Oh Lord, Lord have mercy on all of us. But sometimes just like when you have a family with unique makeup and, or you just have a kid with down syndrome, stepping into the world and being yourself really is saying, Hey, here we are. We're going to be in close proximity to those around us. Yes. Um, and that right there is part of owning your influence and being influential, recognizing that people see us and look at us. And like when they see our chaos walking around, yes. um, we get to say, hey, this is beautiful, guys. This is different, right? Like it's totally different, but this is really good just by telling our family story. Yeah. 
just telling your own story. I love that. Like, I love that idea that we're all telling a story with our lives. And as advocates, really our job is just to shape it, mm-hmm. like to give words to it for the people who are around us. And um, so to use, and this is what we're going to be talking about all season, to use the spaces we inhabit, our jobs, our communities, our online spaces, to tell the world that our stories are good. Like mm-hmm. our children are worthy. This life we're leading is beautiful. Yes, and we're starting big today, talking to our friend Amanda Booth, who is way more than a beautiful face that has graced the covers of magazines. That's right. (laughs) Basically, just like us. Because remember when Jackie asked us if we would model for the Everyday Heroes (laughs) underwear campaign? (laughs) Girl, I'm so thankful you brought that up. Because how could we forget? And until now, that was just between us. (laughs) (laughs) I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. And we we never got a call back. (laughs) We we had to send them pictures of us in our tube pieces. (laughs) Because they wanted us. They wanted Everyday Heroes. But I think we were a little too every day <laughs> we were too every day <laughs> i know that was that so was the embarrassing. best it's so it's wonderful so embarrassing. at the same time and we're just like texting like here's my picture and then the second <laughs> yes. i text it i'm like this was the worst decision of my life and <laughs> we had to think are we about this do i send this i don't even know this person is this a trick i don't know it's this it's is like all too the much the mean kids who told you it's going to be dress up day like, right it wasn't at school and then nobody else dresses up anyways um we didn't make yeah. it we did make it mercedes did jump in her picture i was I jumping vacuumed. in my picture yes <laughs> Which was really sexy. (laughs) I wanted to be the sexiest. No, I didn't. I didn't know how to be sexy. So I was like, maybe I'll jump off the bed. Andy, get this. And Andy's taking my picture. I don't know what was happening. The children. I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. So the good news here, though, ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, is that the three of us, despite our failure to make it in the modeling world, I mean, a shocker, um, we're here today with somebody who actually looks like a total babe, vacuuming floors or jumping off beds <laughs> or really anything she does, right? No offense, Micah or Mercedes. Thanks, none taken. Oh my gosh, so much taken. <laughs> oh my gosh, and as you know, we at the Lucky View Podcast, we care a lot more about what you do with your influence than where you actually start. And our friend Amanda Booth has found success in the modeling world. But what we want to honor most And Amanda is not what she brings to the pages of magazines and screens, but what she has used her influence to give to our community. And so Amanda, dear friend, beautiful mother and model, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me here, gals. Uh, Well, we are, we're so excited to have you and we know you have been doing, I mean, we have seen your work in, for Lancome, for Fiat, for Hershey's, for Target, Old Navy. Um, we, you are an ambassador for changing the face of beauty and Global Down Syndrome Foundation, um, as well as a social media advocate. And there's so much that we want to hear from you about today. Um, one of the things we want to start out with is just your story of how you got into modeling and um, what brought you out to LA, where you are now. Yeah, well, um, I I suppose it's a bit of a long story, so I'll give you the shortened version. (laughs) Um, I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, and um, my whole life, I was super tall and skinny and awkward looking, and so therefore everybody was like, oh my gosh, you should be a model. I was like, yeah, totally. (laughs) 
just thought it like happened for you and uh it never happened for me so I was like all right I guess I'll just go to college and uh, I went to college I was on a sports scholarship and I ended up getting injured my first year and so I lost my funding for school and then was like well what do I do now um, I guess I'll try that modeling thing. And so I, I drove to New York City from Pennsylvania every day for two months, just knocking on doors, trying to find uh, representation. And I was either too short, too old, too fat, um, all of these things. Uh, I had an agency tell me they would take me if I got a nose job because oh. my nose is crooked. Um, oh. And and so I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. I don't know. I don't really want to do any of those things. Uh, and I met this amazing girl and she was like, just, you know, crash on my floor and keep trying. And then, um, I finally got an email from an agency that, that took me on, um, that was 14 years ago. And I, I quit a few times, um, having, been fed up with the negative comments that people were saying about me and then I got scouted for a hair job because my hair is super curly I was riding the subway one day leaving a temp job that I had trying to pay my rent in New York and uh, this company Aveda they were like we love your curly hair uh, we're doing a street casting can you come in Whoa. and um, I was like Yes, yeah, so my dream is to be able to afford to own a Veda product. Right. <laughs> Will you give me free samples? <laughs> so I'm totally down to do it for that. Um, they were like, no, we'll pay you to do it. <laughs> um, so I, I did this job and then I, uh, uh, I, I bought a car and I drove across the country. I was just feeling pulled to come to California. I, I dreamed of living in California my entire life I have super embarrassing photos of me dressing up as a surfer girl every Halloween. Oh, um, goodness, I love it. Living in Pennsylvania. <laughs> but, but I would just carry around a boogie board because I didn't actually own a surfboard. It's yes. so embarrassing. So I, yeah, I came out here uh, 10 years ago um, just with a, a luggage and, and my dog and after, after two weeks of being here, I called the girl subletting my apartment in New York and I said, if you want to keep all my stuff, um, would you stay living in my apartment? I think I'm going to stay in California. And I just did. I just never left. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. That's so cool. So take us further down a little bit. You'll have to skip over some things. But tell us about how you met Mike. Yeah. So um, I, when I first got to L.A., I only had a suitcase. And I was looking for an apartment. I found this two-bedroom apartment, uh, and the people were moving to Australia, so they said, we'll sell you all of our furniture, everything, if you take the apartment. It was too good to be true, so I did. But then I was looking for a roommate, found this incredible girl who ended up being one of my best friends. Her name is mm -hmm. Carrie, and um, she was a student at FITM, which is a design mm -hmm. um, school, and she ended up getting scouted by Mike to uh, become a women's fashion designer. So he was technically her boss. I met him at a work party. Um, and then I met him again at a Christmas party. And then I met him again at the camping trip. And we all just, like, kept our distance from one another. I thought it was because he hated me. But uh, it turned out that 
he was in a relationship and was intentionally avoiding me um, because he shouldn't be talking to somebody that he liked while he was in a relationship. So uh-huh. cut to a year later, I get a text and it's a, Hey, this is Mike. Um, I stole your number from Carrie's phone while she was in the bathroom. And that was eight <laughs> years ago. And oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, here we are. And here I you are. So much. Yeah. Awesome. And, and he... yeah, you know, and at first I was like, this is so sweet. He, he wanted something and, you know, I'd ask for his number. She wouldn't give it to me. And same, I guess, for him. But he was inventive and stole it. Now, oh now I, I see this tenacity that comes out in other arenas. Uh. <laughs> it has a whole meaning for me now. Yes. The thing that is cute when you first meet your partner. Always. It's not always cute later. <laughs> yeah. And that's marriage in a nutshell. <laughs> that's so funny and he I'm I've met him a few times he's lovely you guys are both just lovely souls very wonderful people to have on this planet for sure and such the three amigos the way you both love on Micah and it's like you're more than a family you guys are friends and yeah so sweet I just love it so much Mm -hmm. took a lot of work to get there but yes yes it is a lot of work totally sure yeah um, speaking of Micah, um, I'm sure in the modeling industry, getting to that point of making the decision with your husband that you are guys are going to try and go for a baby. How is that? Is that kind of stressful? How'd you go into planning that? And was it a difficult decision to make? Well, I think a big big reason why we got married is because we both wanted a family. And so we were like, Oh, we want a family. Let's get married and then have a family. And so it was something that we were, we were very much on the page, uh, same page from the very beginning. Um, I have, um, five brothers and one sister and they're Mm -hmm. all younger than me. And so my whole, by like 10 and 12 years, most Mm -hmm. of them. So my whole life I grew up playing mom. And so I, I was like super keen on having a family. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to the ideas of, you know, my, my career is something that my body is important mm-hmm. for. And um, I think I was naive. I was young. I was in my mm-hmm. 20s. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to get pregnant, do maternity modeling, have a baby, get a nanny, and go back to work. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's just how like, it happens. Right. Um, and, uh, that is not at all how it happened. And that's why we're here where we are now today, you know, exactly, exactly. Because, um, that's life. It just like, it puts you through different, different things than, than you plan for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's like the greatest lesson of all was to just stop freaking planning things Mm -hmm. because there's no, there's no point in it. Just like keep just always work hard and be do make the choice, the best choices that you can with the information you have at mm-hmm. any given point mm-hmm. in time. That's great. That's great advice. And part of your story is that you didn't get a prenatal diagnosis with Micah. Um, why, what stopped you from that? Well, Mike is uh, very Christian and I am somebody who's, um, I live in a very Christian way, but for me, like religion was never a very big encompassing part of my life. 
But for the both of us, we knew for sure any information that we would have gotten from a prenatal diagnosis would not have changed any outcome for us. And so we specifically chose not to test, even though it was something that was highly encouraged for us because then, as we feel now, is it's the exact same is that it's not it, it's not up to us to decide the way our life goes or how it looks mm-hmm. uh just to like do the best with it and yeah. so um you know yeah. also again i was 27 i wasn't particularly high risk for anything right. um and so we yeah we were just thankful that we got pregnant and we're going to have a baby and mm-hmm. yeah yeah that that was yeah, until yeah. our ultrasound at, I think it was 36, 36 weeks or so is when, um, you know, that's when it got kind of scary because they were throwing out all kinds of things, but they knew something wasn't quite right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're uh, just a question to go with this. Um, you are advocating with Global Down Syndrome Network and they have a new pamphlet for prenatal testing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, part of the reason why we work so closely together, aside from just really appreciating all the groundbreaking medical research that they're doing for our kiddos, is that I was starting to get um, published in magazines and and, uh, more public within the Down syndrome community. And they had created a pamphlet. Um, A lot of times, I didn't have this experience, but when you have a prenatal diagnosis, um, these doctors are sort of telling you what Down syndrome looks like Mm -hmm. in their medical Mm -hmm. opinion, which is antiquated. It's all information from the 80s. The pamphlets they give you are from the 80s. The photos in these pamphlets are just, they're not, it's it's really painting this picture of life that is... uh, Create, it's it's shifting people's opinions on what their life would look like. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, it is, it's just fact that it is causing this increase of uh, termination in pregnancies. And right. so their stance isn't to say what you should or shouldn't do. It's just to give more current information yes. to women to make a more educated decision based on what life actually looks like for people living with Down syndrome in 2019. And so part of my job is to help them get these pamphlets out, get this current information out. Um, And the thing that I love about the pamphlet is it does not say Down syndrome is amazing. No, what it does say is these are medical risks for people living with Down syndrome. Here's also this super beautiful baby because that's, down syndrome it's both both sides of it's honest it's an honest and real representation of um of this lovely life that we get to live yes cool um will you will you tell us a little bit about how you did discover that micah had down syndrome i know it was a little later after i mean he he was born really small and uh you know there were a lot of medical complications when it came to the delivery process. And so we wanted a home birth and then we had to be medically induced in an emergency situation. So everybody at the hospital knew we didn't want to be there. That wasn't our ideal situation. 
And the second we walked through the door, they were really rude to us. Mm -hmm. And so after Micah was born, the pediatric nurse came in and, and just was like, hey, my, my name is Dr. Such and such. I think your baby has Down syndrome. I thought, what? What? Why? And she's like, well, he has slanted eyes. And I was like, well, my husband's Mexican. He's got slanted <laughs> eyes. Could that be why? She's like, yeah, that could be why. Um, so she called a bunch of doctors in and they were like, yeah, we think that maybe he might have Down syndrome. They wheeled him away to do the genetic testing. Like I said, he was really tiny. There was like seven vials to be filled with blood and Aww. like pulled him out and said, nope, doesn't matter if he has Down syndrome, like medically. And they said, we'll do an EKG. Thank God his heart came back beautiful. They're like, no, it doesn't really matter. I said, cool, then we don't care if he has Down syndrome or not. We're not doing the testing. Then three months later, um, our pediatric doctor, whom we love and value so dearly, had said, okay, guys, if, if in the 1% chance, which was like statistically the, the chances um, for my age, if in the 1% chance he actually has Down syndrome, we're going to want to start to do these interventions now. So let's just do the testing to kind of rule it out. Because um, the thing about Micah, when he was a this tiny little baby is sometimes he would, you know, typically look like he had Down syndrome, but a lot of times he didn't. And uh, as far as his development, it was pretty on par. I mean, he's a baby, so they all yeah. just like, yeah. roll around, you know? Yep. And so we were like, sure, let's do this test. Um, and then he called us, yeah, at four months, at four months of age, he called us and said, okay, we got the results in, I'm going to come over. And even then, I think it was maybe denial. It was my naivety. I'm not really sure, but I was like, oh my God, he has cancer. I like, didn't, didn't even like, yeah. it wasn't yeah. even like, oh my God, he has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, he probably has cancer because I really was scared of leukemia. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so then he came over and he was like, yeah, you're, uh, Micah has Down syndrome. And I was like, yeah. what? And it, it was like, four months of life where we got to know Micah, right. we got to see his strengths, we got to, so I am so grateful that we got the news that far into his life, mm -hmm. because it didn't feel as heavy as a prenatal when he's still yeah. in my tummy, and I'm, I'm terrified of everything right. at that right. point, yeah. and it wasn't, you know, immediately at birth, because it kind of would have felt the same way, I mm -hmm. think, mm -hmm. so... For us, it was obviously heavy, and we had just gone back and forth with does he, doesn't he, for so long that we already accepted so much of the does he uh, yeah. and let go when in the areas of uh, doesn't he that when we finally got the news um, medically, yes, he does, it was pretty easy for us to move on. Mm -hmm. So you feel like there wasn't a season after that diagnosis where you were in a harder place emotionally or in a place of grief over the diagnosis? I think that, um, I, I mean, I was for sure, you know, there, there would be some songs would come on in the car about like some kids singing about like wanting to be cool. And I would just freaking lose it mm -hmm. because in those moments I would be like, Oh my gosh, is my son going to feel this way? Is yeah. he yeah. going to be accepted and loved? Will he have friends? I really didn't, care about when he would walk or mm -hmm. you know those yeah. types of things it was more this like uh how would he feel in his life mm -hmm. and again Mike like I said is super 
Christian. And for him, it felt at least like he was, he, he really never cared. He was like, this is, we just, he's like a really hardworking person and, um, you know but then anyways we had conversations later where he was like I always just felt like I had to be the strong one for you Mm -hmm. and he went through emotional things too like well he's like a big grungy man's man kind of guy and it's like is my son ever going to be able to ride a motorcycle with Mm -hmm. me like he's in these things that I envisioned for my life that involved my son uh when we were imagining having this family they look different now and so yeah it's it was still hard to go through and there was still a grieving process but it was on and off because yeah. our experience yeah. the whole time had been on and off mm-hmm. and it yeah. had been that that I think is sort of how we kept carrying on with it was allowing ourselves to have these um silly moments in hindsight um and then mm-hmm. allowing us to be strong uh that pattern just sort of kept yeah. on yeah i find that that's part of our journey just raising kids for me mm-hmm. just raising kids with down syndrome like mason our oldest now is 10 and i i adapt a lot of kids so i didn't have a in utero diagnosis my story is a little bit different in terms of emotionally but that's still my question like at every year as she gets older, well, will this, this is what I was hoping the future would be mm-hmm. or what I was expecting the future would be. Can it be, will it be, you know, and it just goes back to that, like, oh, but we don't have that future. We just have this moment. And for you guys getting a diagnosis that he's now months old, like that's your kid. You know, mm-hmm. I always say it to people like when it's your kid, it does not matter. It's your kid. And so you've got that, you're going to do anything for that person and yeah, expectations are different and things have changed, but the fact that that's your kid doesn't change, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is also why I think there's so much grayness in the whole prenatal diagnosis process. Cause mm-hmm. it's harder to have that, you know, that big pull, that big connection because you don't know your kid yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It's an interesting conversation for sure. The pre versus post yeah. diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In um, the conversation of grieving is, I feel like, pretty big because of, I think, too, with, like, the different experiences and as you go through parenting, you learn, I don't, like, I remember we brought home Sunflower, so we chose because we adopted Sunflower, um, that there was no grieving. It was just, like, excitement. We were stepping Mm -hmm. into it. She was really healthy. And it wasn't until... uh, I had roads and I just saw his natural progression that I actually felt a tinge of grief in for Mm -hmm. sunflower because things were so much harder to do. Like I just saw, I had, I guess something to compare two babies that I love unconditionally to compare. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Whoa, he's just trucking along and Sunny has to like work so hard and we've got to, be intentional it, it was just like that I remember never grieving and then to all of a sudden like with both my babies being like ah, and yeah. then going through <laughs> a grieving I mean yeah. maybe postpartum I don't know plays yeah. a part in that but like just to actually feel that and I mean that still happens like when mm-hmm. we're having really great days but then when we go to a park because Michael's our only son so it's kind of that same thing where we don't we don't really see or feel the uh, delays or setbacks. And right. then we go to a park and we see a two-year-old that yeah. doesn't 
things more easily or uh, is further advanced than Micah, and yeah. you feel it all over again. Yeah, right. totally. Right. Yeah. And with Micah and with your husband, Mike, he's a, an amazing photographer. Um, yeah. And we love the photography. I follow all three of you on Instagram. <laughs> and so I just love Same. all the photography and all the pictures of you guys. And I love that you started Micah's Instagram. And can you tell us the story and the thought and the desire behind that? Yeah, I mean, uh, at first we started his Instagram before we knew about Down syndrome. Um, because for me and my profession at the time, anyway, I had been utilizing mine for work. Uh, and so it felt like, you know, you're a parent, so everyone's posting pictures of their kids, of course. I should maybe try to keep mine separate. Um, that does not, there's no autonomy on mine anymore. I don't. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, we started Micahs for friends and family just to sort of get if they wanted to, so we weren't bombarding them with thousands of photographs a day they had a space where they could go look at it if, if they were choosing it and then after the diagnosis I think you know family they say things to you uh, and mine always said you know we we got this baby for a reason and that the reason mm -hmm. was that we had this platform and this voice and mm -hmm. that was why and so I was like uh okay yeah, that, that makes sense. Let's, let's go with that. And so, <laughs> you know, but, but really, it's just that this is life and life happens. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, but at the time, I was, felt that that were true. And so after we had the diagnosis, we just started posting our pictures and, and talking about the things he was doing, the things that were harder for him. And it Honestly, so it happened organically. It wasn't like we sought out to grow the following or anything. It was just this this honest place where we mm -hmm. were talking about it. And um, here we are four and a yeah. half years later. Yeah. Life yeah. with it, Micah. That's yeah. Micah. I, I was, Ace was born in spring of 2015. So, um, Life with Micah had just started taking off. You guys had had announced his diagnosis. I don't know how many, like exactly the timeline, but my sister-in-law shared your Instagram with me, Amanda, and that was one of the first Down Syndrome Instagram accounts I started following. So I can't remember if it was before Ace was born or after, but... That's awesome. Yeah. So That's so fun. fun. I think it's like the best part is when you're out somewhere and somebody just randomly stops you and they're yes. like, oh my gosh, I follow you. I don't want to be creepy, but I follow you on Instagram. I'm like, no, that's the point. Like, right. The point it's not is creepy. To, like, yeah. Connect yeah. people. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, tell so, all of your friends to follow us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tell everybody. I love that. So it seems like, yeah, seriously, it seems like it was an easy, it just naturally happened to create an account for him and to put him in that space. Um, tell us then about your decision to sign him on as a model and to have that be a career choice for him. When, when you're, uh, I was, I was a model and I was represented by a maternity modeling agency and like literally part of the contract is when you have the baby that you will then go out for real, uh, family roles. Cool. Okay. Um, so I think it's cool. a really common, uh, uh, trajectory for 
for models where they're like, well, I'm already on set. You want somebody to put a baby in a baby Bjorn, like I'll just use mine. Like your baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, same, just let's just do that. It doesn't matter if he has Down syndrome or not. I want, I still want those opportunities. Right. What the heck? Right. And so uh, it, I, I got very lucky that we had an incredible agent who was like, heck yeah, we're going to submit you guys for things. And it, again, it sort of organically happened that he, well, first of all, he loves the camera. Love now comes naturally. Yeah, he's a total ham. He loves it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Right. Sure. Would not right. push him into it. He just loves to have photo taken. He loves attention. He loves applause. And now we're realizing um, that sensory-wise, he really loves the flash. Like Whoa. we put him on, wow. we flew all the way to London for this campaign. Put him on set. It was his first time modeling solo, okay. and so I was definitely nervous. And then we put him on set. She started taking photos and the flash is going pow, 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 pow. I mean, the smile on his face, I've never oh seen it. They that. say, okay, we've so got cool. the photo. He gets back on the chair, which was his prop, as if to say like, no, keep More. going. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He loves the flash. He loves it. It's amazing. It's hilarious. Um, and it was the first time in my life that Micah had a solo shot and I didn't. And so. <laughs> I've officially realized that it's not about me at all. It's definitely about. <laughs> and isn't about that a mom's <laughs> life? I know. <laughs> at what point do we realize? Oh, I am. Yeah. You are Mason's mom. I'm like, you're right. I'm Mason's mom. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I have a, a side question on modeling. So with Micah, did he then like as however weeks old gets a Coogan account and a, and a work permit? Just like the site, how soon after he's born do you do that? Um, I'm well, I think legally you can't get one before they're two weeks old. Okay. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why when you see babies, like when you see babies being born, uh, I just remember growing up right. like, that baby's not a newborn. It's no way. Which, yeah, because like it's not they're a too little to be fake popping out of some weird woman's vagina. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they're always like giant. I'm like, that's for sure three that's months old. Totally. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like, oh, that's why. Um, exactly. He had his first work permit when he was six months old. Okay. Yeah, cool. and yeah, you renew them uh, every six months, and so yeah, it's so funny. Um. But yeah, even now, I mean, now it's getting difficult because we'll get called in for auditions. And, you know, again, I guess it uh, brings back to the whole like grieving process, too, where everyone else is there with their four-year-old, their toddler, and you see them go in the room. They bribe them with like, uh, I'll get you a new truck afterwards. Do great. <laughs> right. Mike would be like, I don't know what you're saying. This is going to go how it's going to go. Right. And then they go in the room and then they're asking questions. How old are you? What's yes. your favorite food? And I have to answer for him because he's nonverbal. And, um, you know, it's it's difficult sometimes to to, to keep showing up and, and yep. ex expecting that, you know, I've just put it on myself. I would leave and get upset that he wasn't able to do the things they were asking him to do. Yeah. And so now I'm working at being a better advocate for my son and walking in the room and saying, he's four and a half, he's nonverbal, and I need a second to explain to him what's going on. And the last callback he had, 
I felt being rushed because they're always rushing you in and out the door. And so I just remembered that I had told myself I would do that and I would be better at doing that for him. And I said, okay, I need to, I need to show him the camera so he knows what's going on before I put him on this big seamless and expect him to stand on cue and dance and do all these crazy things. Uh, And it went way better because I did that for him. And I'm trying to do that also at parks when kids give him looks because they do. And when they look at him and say, ew, because they do, I take a moment instead of going and crying in my car, which is what I would normally do. I say, excuse me, what did you say? And have these conversations with these kids or grownups or passing records that don't, that they haven't had the privilege of of experiencing it. And therefore they don't understand and taking that moment to educate them and also then get something great out of it for, for Micah and for us, which is, you know, maybe a friend or a booking. So I know so much of being, an advocate is first checking ourselves and our feelings and our thoughts. And I've had to do the same or cause I can, I've learned since being a mom, I have two speeds, which is passive. <laughs> and then, um, like a hothead, <laughs> like I passive do. And hothead. <laughs> it's like, I've got two speeds. Like someone could catch me off guard and I'm like, want to cry and be like, I just don't understand how, because you know how like kids can say the darndest things, but it's like the adults that say the darndest things (laughs) that just like, I do, I'm either perplexed or I'm on fire. And so I've had to like learn how to rein that in to be the best advocate for Sunflower and my boys too. Um, But I know that's a learning and again, another grieving experience, but a, a, really mm-hmm. amazing learning experience that we get to have personally as personal growth and as people just I feel like it just makes you so much more well-rounded definitely and that feeds so much into what we're talking about this season too with just showing up in our spaces and shouting the worth of our kids that it really is so much about um, you know are we gonna have an educational conversation with the mean mom at the park mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um are we gonna go cry in our car we could do either thing and and um, probably both like or, or both <laughs> we could do both but <laughs> it's always both and um but yeah i love the idea of like yeah to be an advocate to to shout the worth of your kids is so much of just being present you're at yeah. the park and the mom says something rude and you say oh good this is the day that I get to teach this mom about why my kid is amazing and why people with Down syndrome are wonderful and Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna be an educator right now and yeah I often share when I'm sharing with groups Down syndrome groups specifically or people who are raising kids with Down syndrome that idea of proximity is such a powerful advocacy tool because even like using the park for example I know when I'm going to the park with with one of my kids who has Down syndrome, our experience there is going to be different because she's responding differently to all of the things in that space. Mm -hmm. And so just the act of proximity is so powerful, like just to show up, you know, like Mm -hmm. to go to the grocery store with your kids with Down syndrome, to take them to the park, to go wherever, because my kids with Down syndrome are responding so differently to the world in those spaces. And then it is making yourself vulnerable to, Mm -hmm. and necessary to stand up as an advocate and say, yeah, 
for sure if I step into the place, a conversation is going to go down and making that choice, you know? But you're right. I think that the hardest part is showing up. Yeah. The most important part is showing up. Important part and hardest, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to just not want to have to deal with those feelings, but. Yeah. Definitely. And you're good at that. We appreciate it. You're good at that, Amanda. You are. You're showing up to become good at that and to refine it. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, I think that that's, I don't know, I guess it's the blessing in my job is that for 14 years I've been, I've been told, you know, I'm not good enough for whatever the heck Mm. reason. Mm. And I, I keep showing up. I keep going back to my job. Good. And I'm so used to the process uh, and saying I am good enough and Mm -hmm. this is why and believing Uh in myself that it's just completely transcended into uh, the way that I parent and um, works out that I'm super stubborn and uh, (laughs) always helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's all, that's all that we're doing is we're just showing up and saying, we, we want, we want a piece of the dang pie. Yeah. I love it. I think this feeds um, so well into the, the, into changing the face of beauty and the work that you're doing with them. Um, you're an ambassador for changing the face of beauty. Will you tell us um, what that organization has meant to you and um, how it's affected the way that you see Micah's role in the modeling industry? Yeah, I mean, I connect, well, Katie and I connected back when Micah had first sort of gone viral or whatever it was with getting the press about having having Down syndrome and being represented by a modeling agency. And I loved what she was doing, which is just to try to say to these big brands, um, we we are all here. Our kid goes back to school too. Like all of these all of these things. Yeah. It's so much easier to stick up for something, I think, when it's your kid because yeah. you know, like we were saying earlier, you would go to the ends of the world, you would fight for for anything for your child. Um, so it's so interesting because this is the very way that I've earned a living for 14 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is my job that I love. But yet I'm standing here saying, don't just use people that look like me though, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not working as much. And <laughs> that's a whole weird thing, but yeah. it's so important. Um, because I know how good it feels to see myself or somebody that looks like me on TV. That's why I thought I could do it because mm-hmm. I grew up seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, it's equally as important that our kids grow up seeing people like them mm-hmm. uh, in stores that they shop at, on yep. TV that they watch, on um because then, like you were also saying about the proximity, is that then other people sitting at home watching TV, other kids watching a TV show, see kids with Down syndrome, and it's not scary anymore mm-hmm. because it's familiar. Yeah. Then they can start asking questions about, yep. oh, what is what? Why does that kid look different, or why is he acting different? Uh, and then when they go to a park and see, oh, I recognize this. Yeah. I'm comfortable. And we'll go and say hi. Yeah. That's the point. Yep. It's not because I want him to be in a magazine or making money. Right, it's because sure. I want other people to get familiar with what uh, Down syndrome looks like. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Preach it, girl. 
I love that. I mean, Bring it, money's that great too, though. Money well, the money's no- important. <laughs> do the money. You know what? And you know what, Jockey? Yeah, Jackie. We're real people. <laughs> and well, I want my proximity. We're going to bring Amanda on to the campaign. If Amanda joins the campaign. Will you then Jackie take me as a real life person? Aries doing a great job. Yes. 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 Aries so is awesome. doing a great job. Yes. I'm going to contact them. Call yeah, Mother Gore's doing it. But also, like, you could, they can keep hiring me too, right? Yes. yes. 100%. Okay. okay. Yes. That's yes. going to be my personal campaign. I'm going to have us girls. <laughs> we're um, we're yeah. gonna take a picture. I think too it's... with mom bellies too. <laughs> with the mom bellies. With the mom. Okay, I'm not next to I've Amanda. I've got more like a mom booty. Because I've never given birth and I've got a mom belly, so I don't know what that's about. <laughs> because it's just that a mom belly. I you know okay. it doesn't matter. It's, it's the belly. eating eating all the extra snacks that they throw on the floor. There's there. You have to eat the edges of the table. peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, yeah. going yeah. through the drive-through because they fell asleep in the car, and you're like, I yeah. can't you're turn right. off the car now, but I'm hungry. And, yeah, I mean, and what do you do? In and out, right leave there. Kids in cars these days, and you, you can't leave. Go. It's way 1980s. <laughs> it's all of that it. was my childhood. Oh man, that's so good. Um, I I want to ask him the question about on this topic of what you were talking about with like seeing kids in those spaces, and even like you're saying, Ari's like we're celebrating the businesses who are doing it. And I mean, everybody's thoughts here, but what are your thoughts? I want to get to a point where we're not celebrating it because Mm. it's so normal. You know, like this is what we see in every space are all the different people. And I'm people who are advocating for other people groups could insert themselves or who are advocating for themselves who are different. Mm -hmm. And do you, could you ever see that? Cause you're in this industry that that could ever really happen or is it where you do? Okay. Um, I think because so so on the back end, the people that are running the the things, the people who are working for ad agencies, photographers, there's a lot of female photographers, there's female directors that are really powerful and doing amazing work. Um, there are a lot of people with different ethnic backgrounds that are beauty editors. And, and so now that they're all on the inside, that's mm-hmm. where the decision making is happening um, and the voices are being heard about it and... Uh, yeah, I think it's just time. And I think people also need to stop being mad at brands that are doing it now that they haven't always been. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's called change. Yeah, and that yeah. change yeah. happening yeah. is what we should focus on. Right. And um, yeah, I, I can see even the breakdown, like I got a breakdown for Micah the other day. And I was the one who was like, oh, because they were asking for a skill that he can't quite do yet. And I was like, oh, but he can't do that because he has a developmental disability. And they're like, oh, well then just like help him with it. They still want to see him. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't make it a big deal. Cool. It didn't say yeah. the cool. role was a kid with a disability. It was just right. toddler, you yeah, know, that I then was like, so awesome. oh, do they know though that he does? I know. And they were like, yeah, they totally know. It's fine. That's cool. So, yeah, it is. Sure. It is becoming less of a big deal. Mm-hmm. I love that. In those moments too, I'm like, oh, I'll say that like with Sunny, like, oh, well, you know, she can't quite because she has verbal delays, and they're like, oh yeah, no big deal. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, no big deal with me either. But yeah, <laughs> like, I just want you to know, are we cool? Okay, you are actually cooler than I in that moment. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I like when those tables have turned, but I'm like, but I'm cool too. Like I have a key. Okay. <laughs> But I'm cool too. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, something else that we've loved, Amanda, is the way that you've used your voice like in your spaces in terms of writing for Harper's Bazaar and Cosmo and how you're kind of using um, your, your power in those places to um, introduce an entire audience that isn't being reached by, you know, a Down Syndrome Instagram account um, to like the possibilities available. Like I, I'm wondering if your voice has surprised you have you, mm. like, would you look back at yourself five years ago and go, I can't believe that this is what I'm doing now or who I am? Yeah, I mean, yes. And I, I hope I hope so, because uh, I never could have imagined that this, all of these, it's interesting because all of the goals I had for myself, I grew up, I always wanted to be a writer. I definitely wanted to be on the cover of Vogue. I def, you know, all of these, these, goals that I had for myself as a, an individual have literally only been reached because of Down syndrome. Wow. That's because of Micah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm completely shocked. And if you had asked me four years ago when I had gotten a diagnosis, if I thought that would have been the case, um, no, I would have been completely shocked to think that 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 were why and um mm, I love that. it's it is it's, it's exciting every time somebody wants to hear about it mm -hmm. uh, about our life which is just our, feels like a life we just wake up and we put one foot in front of the other but but that people want to share it is mm -hmm. so exciting and mm. that uh I feel that I have given the beauty of it is inkling of justice is mm. yeah it's the most incredible gift i'm i'm in awe mm. that's mm. really great do you have for people for the people listening some advice whether they're a new parent or they've been on this journey for a while just about how to start advocating for their kid or their loved one with down syndrome like how to even begin if they're listening like well i i want to be stepping into a space of advocacy or how to find their courage to speak up well I think that, um, you know, don't like what we were saying is if for celebrating World Down Syndrome Day is I think a lot of people get very sidetracked and defeated by thinking that the gesture needs to be huge, mm -hmm. that they're like, I could never do that. Um, how do I get my kid in a commercial? I live in some place where that's very difficult. Mm. Um <laughs> It doesn't have to be that. It's just, you know, those moments at the park when you mm -hmm. feel it in your gut that you need to say something for your child, do it. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to get in an uncomfortable situation um, to stick up for your kid. And I think that that always will happen for us in time. Mm -hmm. is you get to a point where you can't take the looks or what because oh, also you could be wrong your kid they might be looking at you because they're thinking oh my gosh that's the most beautiful child I've yeah. ever seen yes. and you could be taking it wrong and then you're you might miss this incredible opportunity to connect with somebody who then gets to say my grandson has down syndrome yes. I love you know that they're too afraid to say something to you that right. you know 
so I think, and, and those are the biggest and the most important moments for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we just need to keep doing is right. the, the little things. Yep. Love that. I and don't that... be afraid to hashtag if you want to. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible at it, but apparently that's how people find you. So. <laughs> so uh, the little things so, and the hashtags and hashtag <laughs> use a hashtag <laughs> on that note people we are gonna step away for a second um and amanda i'm hoping you'll stay with us for good news we're gonna be back in a second for um the sweetest and our favorite moment of this in every episode of the lucky few podcast good news mm. we'll be back in a second Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear, stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, you know about style. Your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Listen, it's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids. These are the cutest kids' glasses out there. Heather's Macy wears them all the time and gets all kinds of positive feedback about her cute, cute glasses. I mean, what's, what is the point of wearing glasses if they don't make you look amazing? 100%. So, Merce, have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and it's kind of like you're playing dress-up. Totally. So we have Jonas Paul glasses at my house. This past year, Brooks, my eight-year-old, needed glasses. So we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. And Brooksy is a kid who loves looking good. He legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. So having a kid at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames that he had all week to walk around in and make his own opinion. And it was so nice to not have that hurry, we have 10 minutes in a store with fluorescent lights to decide kind of feeling. When he picked out his frame, we put in our order online and shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. Okay, so you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and so does Heather. Yes, and I asked Heather about Mason's experience with them. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. That flatter nose bridge, the lower set ears, all of that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Heather says their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. And the best part for Macy is that Jonas Paul glasses all have these unique adjustable tips so you can bend them for a custom fit and the glasses fit Macy's face perfectly. These glasses are also so affordable. Half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. And here's the best part. Every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. And for first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Just use the promo code the lucky few at checkout. So get yourself over to JonasPaulEyewear.com to learn more. We are back, friends, with our guest, shouter of worth and modeler of beauty, Amanda <laughs> Booth. Um, and now, you guys, it's time for some... Some good news. Some I jumped news. in. I like it. <laughs> good news today. Good. 
a man and Mercedes <laughs> usually just smiles. <laughs> I never know how to jump in. <laughs> you just one of these days, girl. You just And I kinda get caught up watching the show. Because we're on Skype, so then I kind of forget, and I get caught up in watching. It's time for some good news. Time for some good news. Good news is our chance every week for our callers to call in or text us something that they are celebrating in the life of their loved one with Down syndrome. Yes, and and remember... Good news can be big or small. So yes. I think people get caught up on it. Like good news could be, hey, my kid took their first step. That is huge. Or it could be like, oh my gosh, my kid ate a piece of lettuce, which could be also equally as huge. Mm-hmm. Or yes, or my <laughs> kid woke up and when I walked into their room, they smiled at me big or whatever yeah. it is. It doesn't have to be a grand thing. The thing is that our kids are doing incredible things all day long. So let's celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amanda, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I do have some good news. Um, uh, we have been working, by we I mean Micah, but I definitely like, you know, yes. I feel like I also I think <laughs> yes. uh, Micah has been working very hard at uh, ADA therapy, which um, I'm completely stunned at uh, how attentive and how hard he is working. And he looked at me, oh, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Like, you're like, how do I not cry all darn day? Uh, he just looked at he looked at me dead in the eyes, which is pretty difficult for him to do. He's always kind of wandering, and he just said, "Mama." Oh. Mm. Oh. I love it so much. For the first time, like with purpose, you know, he's yeah. usually yelling at me, like yeah. "Mama," like to not do something. Yes. But he looked at me and addressed me. It was amazing. Oh, with those crystal blue eyes. I died. I was like, whatever you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful, Amanda. That's so good. Amanda Booth, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your courage. Mm-hmm. That all the shouting of worth that you're doing for people with Down syndrome within the modeling world and with, with your platforms. Um, thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful our paths have crossed. So thankful to call you friend for the work you do. So if you want to call Jockey and tell them about us, you can. I don't know if you talk to Jockey. Yeah, I'm on it. on it. If you want to join the campaign, I know we talked about that. Um, and I, and if you can throw it in, I would prefer to wear yoga pants and a tank top. But if they need me in a sports bra and a thong, I'll do it. <laughs> we were not in a thong. We were not in thongs. It was good old-fashioned mom panties. I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. High-waisted, full bottom, please. (laughs) Anyways, you're the best, Amanda. We're so thankful for you. Oh, my gosh. You're the best. Um, We are going to have links to all of, um, like, we'll have links to the pieces that Amanda has written. We'll have links links to um, Amanda's Instagrams. Um, Mm. But you can find her at Amanda underscore Booth. Um, You can follow Micah's story at Life with Micah on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we will get back to all of you about when Jockey calls us. Um, hopefully after that, Oprah and Joanna Gaines will invite us to hang out with them too. I'm kidding. I can't wait for all this stuff to happen. It's going to happen. Oh my goodness. Ellen. 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 Yes. But Ellen. you guys, Ellen, have you us know, on our in our jockey. <laughs> Big or small. <laughs> yeah, right. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. I know. <laughs> this is true. Once they really do call. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I'm so excited for 
after Jackie calls and Oprah and Joanna and all of the people. Um, until then, you guys, big thanks to our editor and producer, Andy Laura. Big thanks to our intern, Valerie Schleider, to our sponsor, and to all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends. Listen faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter right where you are in your spaces. And we're cheering you on. Yay. Thanks so much, Amanda Booth, for joining us. And we will see you guys next Monday on the Lucky Few Podcast. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Review our show on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all social media at The Lucky Few Pod. Subscribe on our website for ongoing updates at theluckyfewpodcast.com. Tell us about your good news by leaving us a voicemail or text at 424-442-9147. Our show is edited and produced by Andy Lara at andylikeswords.com. See you next time.